Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you back to our series. We're in the second week of a series in the book of First John. I want to look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, those of you watching online, maybe someone in a video service here at the Keller campus. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to First John chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to look at several different verses, several places in the book of 1 John. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stay with me. You know, don't let your ADD take over. Squirrel. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to have to concentrate a little bit because we are looking at this little book that has so many profound things to say to us and meets us right where we are. If you missed last week, I'm going to encourage you to go online and watch where I gave some context and I'll give you a little bit of a review, but we want to jump to a very important theme this weekend that John is giving us in this letter. I do want to celebrate, though, uh, last weekend, so amazing. I always just love to highlight something, remind us of who we are, celebrate the people that are living out the biblical Christian life, and uh, just let you know how proud I am of you. Last weekend, um, I went to multiple services, and in every service I was in, there was amazing stories of people's lives being changed by the power of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ and who he is. And uh, it was just amazing. We had just amazing baptisms. Uh, one of the stories I really loved, I, I don't know what service you were at, so I lose track of where all these things happen. Uh, but again, the, the small groups, as we start going into the fall, I, I, I began to recognize there were these groups of people that would just kind of hijack the service in the middle of the baptism. Like they were not on the order of service, but they would just stand up, start to cheer, shout, high five, and just kind of take over the service. Uh, and, I, and I just love that because we, as you hear us talk about, we don't just want to be a mob of people listening to a bald guy give content. We want to be biblical Christians, and we also want to be a spiritual family. And the people that make that possible are those of you that lead small groups and take care of people. And uh, I was just amazed. I, really, last weekend, it was like we were having church and small group leaders really were the hero. Um, Shannon, she came to church once, invited her friend Stacy, which by the way, that's really what following Jesus means. We get this idea that you have to know everything before you ever do anything for Jesus. If you do that, you'll never do anything. So really it's a group of people who have experienced something in Christ that are just giving it away. Whatever you have, give it away to somebody coming behind you. So she came to church once, invited her friend Stacy, who had never been to church, and then she gave her life to Christ at our joy event. That's exciting. And then she went through the growth track and she went through freedom. And last weekend, Stacy was baptized and her small group hijacked the service and I was okay with it. Are y'all with me? Let's give God. That's biblical Christianity. That's biblical Christianity. And I just love to celebrate it and see what God is doing. It's also Teacher Appreciation Weekend and we're celebrating teachers this weekend. Come on. 
All right. And so stay with me. Don't try to beat the Baptist or the Methodist down to the, the lunch place. You got to hang around because at the end, I'm going to pray over you. We have some special gifts for you to honor you and let you know how much we appreciate what you do in taking care of something that we love very much and is a very prized possession to us, and that's our own children. And so we want to celebrate you. We want to pray over you. We want to encourage you. Come on. As a church, we want you to know that, um, that we're proud of everything that you do, and that's exciting. And uh, I will say, though, that for all of us parents, if you really want to bless your child's teacher, don't just give them an apple or some Bath and Body Works try to do a little attitude work before you send your kid to school. Come on now, come on teachers. Cause I mean, they just wake up mad. We don't know why. I remember my first day of kindergarten. Now my parents were old school now. I mean, my parents old school. My first day of kindergarten, of course my mom, you know, I didn't want to get up. My mom would come in, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm like, but on my first day of kindergarten, my dad took me to church. Now he was six foot seven and he grabbed me by the hand, took me up to my teacher. I have my tough skins on. Y'all know, we didn't wear designer jeans back then. We got those jeans that you could wear for like three years. They'd be like, you know, high water flooding, you know, got some patches in the knees and I got my Superman lunch box and my dad, he was six foot seven. He took me to my kindergarten teacher, stood there and there was Miss Pace. I looked up at my dad. I'm like, what's gonna happen here? He said, this is Jeff. He's under your authority. Do whatever you want to to him. <laughs> How many of y'all know we need to bring some of that back? But anyway, that's like, te te oh my gosh. Teachers are like, praise the Lord. You don't even believe in that. You're like shouting now in church, okay? But uh, anyway, we love you and it's exciting. First John is where we started last week and it's really important that I tell you a little bit about it because you may not understand the passages if you don't understand what's going on. John, he's the disciple, he's the apostle, he's in the original group, he's Jesus's friend, he's the one that he says of himself that Jesus loved, he's the one that Jesus from the cross said, take care of my mom. So he's not talking about secondhand information. He tells us in the letter, hey, I'm talking to you about what I've actually experienced. So this is amazing. Now this letter's later in life. How many of you know later in life, even what you've experienced, you're able to interpret through a better lens. And so now he's writing to us after this later period, and, and here's what's happened. He spent some time, according to historians, pastoring a very significant church in the first century, the church at Ephesus. And so this is a church that Paul planted. This is a church that Timothy pastored and he spent some time pastoring it and uh, he will eventually end up on the Isle of Patmos and he will get the vision that is the book of Revelation. And yet there's some challenging things going on at the church with these people. And so he's writing back to them this letter to encourage them because they've faced the destruction of the temple and really just a challenging time in their life. It's, it's not just like a global pandemic. It's, it's not just like some you know, difficult economy and the stock market's down. It's almost kind of like a war. I mean, everybody would have been affected. So there, there's been this challenging time. So if you're in a challenging time, 
Pastor John has something to say to you on how to face your challenges. There's also something else that's gone on, and that is a big portion of people within the church have been drawn away by false teachers and people that do not preach the true message of Jesus. See, we're all susceptible to deception, and the moment we think we're not, that's when we're most susceptible. And so they've been drawn away by a false gospel and a false message, and so he's writing back to them, and he has this theme. Make my joy complete. This is what'll really make my joy complete, like, like, like truly words of a pastor or a parent. The longer you journey in a parenting journey, or even if you're not a parent, if you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a friend, you know, what really in life makes your joy complete is the people that you love are actually getting to the places in life that God's called them to get to. So he writes as this pastor, make my joy complete, and where he ends up, and this is what we're gonna focus on this weekend, is that you're able to overcome these things that are happening in your life. You're able to overcome this cultural upheaval. You're able to overcome this rampant sexual immorality. You're able to overcome all of the pain and trouble and turmoil, and you're able to be a different person than those that are drawn away for what he calls the evil one strategy. I want you to overcome, make my joy complete. And last week we learned that the highest motivator to overcome is love. You do what you wanna do. You do what you're motivated to do. And so that's why Jesus, the true Jesus, changes your want to, and you can find yourself wanting to read your Bible, wanting to lead a small group, wanting to go to church. I know it's crazy. You're like, how would that happen, Pastor? It's crazy. He changes what you love. He changes your motivation. So that's a theme all the way through the book. But I wanna talk about this overcoming principle. Because I believe today, if you're at Hazlitt or wherever you're at, I believe we're in a couple of groups. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm not a theorist, I'm a pastor. So just even in the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago, I came to church, didn't preach, and shook hands with all of you and met people here at the Keller campus. And so, so I'm, I'm a pastor. Last weekend, I shake hands. So, so I'm not a theorist. I see people in two groups. I see people who are aware of the darkness of the world who are discouraged, who are like, I don't even know if my grandkids can make it. I don't, it's a different world, it's dark, it's like, man, it's bad, and it's like getting worse, and of course we have today all these devices and ways that if you believe it's bad, all you have to do is search that it's bad, and every feed in your life will tell you it's bad. And you'll find every bad thing that there is and nothing good. Well, there's another group of people and always have been on the earth it's all the way through the Bible, who believe that, yeah, there are bad things, but Jesus is still on his throne. And that Jesus gives you the power, not always to change the circumstances, but to be an overcomer in the circumstances. So, so I believe a college student can live for Christ, even in a secular world. 
I believe that young people actually can live with sexual morality in a sexually immoral culture. I believe actually that even though we go through pain and suffering, we can still have joy in the midst of challenges and circumstances because I've read what Pastor John has to say to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, really what God's saying to us. So I love the verse that we highlighted. There's lots of good ones in 1 John. So we're gonna see a bunch of them this weekend, by the way, I need you to stay with me. One of them though, is this idea that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. No matter what I see, I have to believe that's true. You are, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is greater, that one is in you. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So he says, at the very basic level, we overcome because we have the one who is greater. He's greater. But I believe today, as you're listening to me this weekend, you are in one of two places. You sense you're either overcoming or you're overwhelmed. I hear this word a lot as a pastor. Now, I noticed a few years ago the top word when you ask someone, how are you doing, was busy. Of course, everybody's busy. How you doing? I'm just busy, I'm just busy, pastor. I'm just busy, I'm just busy. But now, as a result maybe of our busyness and our lack of understanding, of how to walk in an overcoming nature through what John is telling us, we're not only busy, we have gotten so busy and so emotionally drained and don't know how to anchor our lives, I hear people say, I'm just just overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed with the responsibilities, maybe the health challenge, the person I'm taking care of, the situation, the person I love, myself, my own fears, my own things going on. Dads get overwhelmed, they try to act like they don't get overwhelmed, dads do. And a lot of times that's why dads become emotionally distant with the family, because they're maybe overwhelmed with something outside the family, but then don't know how to put that to the side so they can connect with the family. And then the wife and the children are like, what's wrong with dad? He's overwhelmed with some problem that he's stirring in his mind and he doesn't know how to overcome it and connect with you. It happens all the time. Moms get overwhelmed because, um, you know, by the way, moms, a little pro tip here. Don't sign up for 14 parties. You feel real excited about 14 parties? Maybe do a party, but if you sign up for 14 in April, you're gonna be like, why did I do this? I'm overwhelmed. Anyway. It's like we, we have all these requirements and things we sign up for and responsibilities and then we, we, we then all of a sudden are like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Young people, I shared it last weekend, young people are overwhelmed. When I get with them, I, I find that it's not just the things we're imposing on them, but it's the pressure they put on themselves because they have information that we didn't have, so they have a expectation that they should be at a certain place that might take some time and then they get overwhelmed and insecure and there's fear and there's anxiety. Here's my point. We a lot of times act like we're not overwhelmed, but internally we feel overwhelmed. You say, how do you move from overwhelmed to overcoming? How do you become an overcomer? Because everything on the outside may not change, but how do you change something on the inside enough to be an overcomer? Well, that 
is given to us here by Pastor John in 1 John chapter five. I love it, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is a great passage right here. In fact, this is love for God, that we keep his commands. So there's actually an action related to when you say you love God, there's a difference in how you live. And here's a good one, and his commands are not burdensome. That's the perspective when you don't have a relationship with God is that God's actually trying to give you less life and less fun and less joy. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. Real life is found in doing it Jesus's way. It's not a burdensome thing. This is the victory, and this is where I wanna hone in this weekend. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So there's something in our faith realm, in our belief realm, in the way we see the world, in the way that we operate, that gives us victory in the challenges and circumstances that we face. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, to understand how to get this victory, we need to understand some things that are being stated in that passage. Because I think everybody listening to me, no matter where you're at, you're like, look, I wanna overcome. I want victory in the midst of dark and trying and challenging circumstances. Can you tell me at any level how to move toward that? Well, we need to understand some things. When you hear the word, our faith, then for most of us, we think that our faith is maybe some kind of philosophical ideology. It's maybe some doctrinal beliefs. It's maybe, well, I'm a, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, I'm a this, or I, they have their faith and I have my faith. That's not the word here. The word here is pistis, and when it talks about faith, it's actually not really just a mental ascent. The best way I could describe it to you is it's a conviction so strong you can't help but act and live a different way. So there's a different way of approaching the world. So when you have faith, even when you have trials, you're trusting in something outside of you and someone outside of you, which gives you a different grace and a different power and a different way to live. It's a conviction so strong. It's more relational. It's more as you continue to progress in it, it's not just I mentally ascend to this belief system. So we have to know that. Well, the next thing we need to understand is it says we overcome the world. What does that mean, overcome the world? It sounds kind of churchy. And, and I've, I've seen this, that it's like, as a pastor, I feel like, you know, that, that if you grew up in church, you may, have, you may have heard that, you know, like old timers. Well, they just went back into the world. Or maybe we don't wanna be worldly. You know, are you, are you of the world, you know, like, and some of you are like, I've never heard that. Like, when you say the world, I'm thinking, are you talking the globe? Are you talking Google Earth? You know, like, what's it mean to be of the world, you know? Like, like Jeff, I have to live in a real world. Like, what does it mean to be overcoming the world? What does that mean? Well, the world's not the globe. The world here is a hostile belief system filled with sin and an ungodly culture under the control of the evil one, according to Pastor John. That there is a philosophical, spiritual, ideology, culture, and world 
that is contradictory to God's design in his kingdom. It's present in the earth. And we are to be, as Jesus said, we are in a real world, but we are not of that world. So what does that mean? You're like, pastor, make it real. Let me make it as real as I can. If the people you work with don't see a difference in you and everybody else, you're of the world. They should see something different in you. Not that you're perfect, but you're like, where is this person from? Where is that joy? Where is that conviction? Where is that pursuit of righteousness? Where is the change coming from? Where is that coming from in this person? Well, that comes from not being of the world, but you know how to overcome the world in our lives. Now, some of you are like, okay, how do I, how do I really package that? Well, John tells us that the categories of these things in our lives fall under three categories in our lives. I, I think it's important for us to get this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, he tells us this, and the pride of life. So being of the world falls in these categories. By the way, this is the categories that were there in Genesis. This is the very beginning, Adam and Eve. These were the categories when you study the temptation of Jesus, when the devil came to tempt Jesus, he tempted him in all three of these categories. You're like, Jeff, what are you talking about? Well, the lust of the flesh. You have flesh that will cause you to desire things that the enemy wants to use to destroy you. And if you're not aware of that, then you will succumb to those desires. There's a narrative in our world today. Young people pick up on it. It's just like, if you love it, if you desire it, then you should have it. If you want it, it's okay. You live your truth. You live your life. And the Bible says that people of God are either living according to the flesh or according to the spirit. That the spirit is in opposition to the flesh. And that the flesh will lead you, a, a word carnal, or, or lead you down as the enemy's desires are to destroy you. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna say this, maybe somebody listening online. You don't have to be controlled by your desires or your feelings. You, you're like, wow, that's powerful. Could that really happen, pastor? How, how, how would that happen? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. How you see the world and what you focus on, you get full of. So what you watch, what you listen to, what you think, how you view the world, your worldview, if it's not a biblical worldview, will lead you to your own conclusions. You will justify what your heart tells you is true and you'll be led by emotions if you don't know how to be led a different way. The eyes will lead you, what you see will lead you. Harvard Medical Center recently did a study on people playing Tetris. Tetris, I mean, we don't, we don't have it on Nintendo 64 anymore, but now we got it on our phone. And if you play it, they, they study people that played it for three days in a row, three hours a day, 
and then said, after doing that, when they close their eyes, they see little boxes and squares. Some of you are like you're bumping your neighbor. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, isn't it amazing how the eyes work, what you focus on? That, that as John is saying, when you focus on Jesus, the real Jesus, you're transformed. And when, the more you lift him up and the more you exalt him, it changes you. But how easy it is when you focus on the wrong things, you become full of what you focus on. It's amazing the chemical reactions and the way our brains work. And the final one is really ultimately the pride of life. When you set yourself up as God, then you begin to say, look, I know better, then that's ultimately what moves you into the world. And I wanna say again, you know, why are we talking about this? Pastor, are you channeling your Baptist roots? You know, what did Pastor Jeff talk about? He's talking about the evils of sin. Might not be bad in church a little bit now that we actually can define what it is. We live in a world today that justifies everything and that we don't, there was a generation who knew what sin was, who maybe chose not to do what is right, but we now have a generation who doesn't even know what it is. They don't even know what it is. So we gotta know what it is, but the truth is the message is really not about this. It's about overcoming it. You don't have to be a prisoner to it. You don't have to be led by it. John's saying to us, you can be changed to such a degree that you're actually being transformed from being led by those things in your life. And so when it comes to culture, so there's a challenging culture that Pastor John is leading his people through. I wanna be honest with you, I watched over the last few years, I felt convicted as a pastor that we haven't equipped you enough, not just milestone, but just as pastors, and I coach pastors, we haven't coached you enough on how Christians relate to culture, how Christians should view the world, how Christians should relate, how, as we see here, love is the dominant theme, by the way. That even if you disagree with someone and God disagrees with them, then your approach should still be through the lens of love, and honor of them as they are created in the image of God. The vicious, attacking, malicious, verbal assaulting is not godly. So I'm pastoring you in a time of no war right now. You'll be with me, you know what I'm saying? It's like take a time of no conflict. By the way, that's a parenting tip. If you really want your kids to get something, don't try to give it to them when you're having a family argument. Wait till everything's at peace and you're on the beach and say, I'm giving you some preventative medicine. But I wanna tell you, it was actually 30 years ago that I read a book. This is not original to me, but I believe it's, it's in line with what John's trying to say. How do we approach culture, Pastor? How do we, how do we interact with a culture that's becoming more dark, that's, that's actually saying what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right? How do we interact with it? Well, well we have a few options. Historically, followers of Christ have taken a few of these options. The first one is Christ is against culture. That we give the narrative of that we are against you, that we're in attack of you, that we're in competition with you, that our main focus is to tell you what you're not and us over here who have it all right. Christ is against culture. Did you know there were people on the earth before Christ who took this approach? 
And you know, if you take this to an extreme, you end up in a hut somewhere with some other huts with a group of people that look just like you, that dress just like you, that say the same things you say, and you can easily think that holiness is what you wear and how long your hair is, which that's not a problem for me. And so, which we're getting more and more bald men that are powerful. I shake hands and I'm thinking, man, where you attract what you are. But anyway, some of y'all, if you go to church here long enough, you're losing your hair. But anyway. <laughs> and so you end up with these superficial things that you begin to be against culture and you have no influence over culture. But you know, equally as challenging is Christ in culture that Christ is so kind of mixed up and syncretized with everything and if you feel like it's true, then that's fine and you live your truth to where you just have this, this, this benign Christ. Did you know Christ is in opposition to certain things? And so he can't be blended with culture. You say, Jeff, what should we do? It's Christ as head and Lord and King over a different kingdom. He's, he's ruling and reigning over a different kingdom based on different rules, based on different parameters, and he's Lord actually of all of it. And the more we make him not just our insurance ticket to heaven, but the more we let him transform our hearts and interact with a culture through love and service, yet hold on to him and his truths, the more we have influence over a dark and dying culture because the light doesn't have to argue with the darkness, all the light has to do is really be light. Really be light. Because wherever it shows up, it begins to push back darkness and transform the world that it is in. And so that's how you interact, but you're like, well that's a great teaching pastor, we appreciate you teaching us about culture, and uh, I, have, I have people all the time wanting me to talk about this topic and that topic, and many times the topic they wanna talk about are not in the Bible, so I thought I would give you Pastor John's perspective. You're living in a dark culture, and this is how Christians that are followers of Christ, that's how they live in the culture. But what you really wanna know is not me just sit here and talk about culture, you're like, how do I overcome being overwhelmed? I gotcha. How do I do it, okay? How do you actually do it? Well, he gives us, we could, do, we could, we could spend a lot more time than we have because he gives a bunch, but I'm gonna give you three that I see repeated over and over. Remember, he uses the word no over 30 times. I need you to know this. And he's not talking about passing a test. He's talking about knowing it relationally, internally, and knowing Jesus, the real Jesus, in such a way that you are able to approach life through that lens. And so he wants us to know some things, and he, and he highlights a few. Let me give you the first one. We have to see ourselves the way God sees us. Notice over and over he says, you're children of God. You're loved by God. God loves you, God is with you, God is greater in you. So we have to see ourselves properly. We're not fighting for something of overcoming, we're fighting from a place when you receive Jesus, you now have citizenship in heaven which means you ultimately win. You also now have a birthright that you are now God's child so you now operate with that in the earth no matter how dark it gets. He loves you, he's with you, he's there to strengthen you, and when you see yourself that way, that's one of the number one things that allows you to overcome. 
Because you're not as susceptible to so many other things when you know who you are and you know whose you are. That's a parenting thing too. You know, it, you don't have to spend as much time telling your kids what you're against. They already know what you're against. You don't have to spend so much time trying to lock them up from being in a dark world if they know who they are. If they know who they are, then they have a grace no matter where they go because they know who they are and we need to know who we are. We gotta see ourselves properly. And here's what happens. You get some traction. You start, I've seen it many, many times as a pastor. Someone accepts Christ, it's real. And then they have to get away maybe from some friend groups or maybe at work they have to say, you know what, I can't go to the cocktail hour because every time people go to the cocktail hour, then people end up hooking up and things happen. So I may not need to do that. I mean, maybe that's not, that's not profitable because you know, I might have to avoid some of that. I might have to say no to this. And maybe this person over here, every time I get with them, it drags me further and further. So I gotta spend a little time here for a minute getting myself strengthened so I can go back into that dark culture. And what happens is you get some traction and then you make a mistake and the enemy wants to tell you it was all fake and give up. And you're no longer overcoming, you're overwhelmed by the world system. So you have to know who you are. I love this verse right here. It's been one that I've been just drawn to for years because I see it in, in all of our lives, but I see it as a pastor. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is even greater than our hearts. See, when you make mistakes and you have challenges in your life, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you actually think what you're getting, I hear this multiple times as a pastor, well, well I'm getting this because God's mad at me and I actually deserve it. Is God doing this to me because he's mad about what I said or what I did or what I did over here? So we have a perspective of God that's through a human lens. Let me encourage you, long-term you overcome by continuing to focus on who you are as a child of God and who God is in your life and who the real Jesus is and over time you get traction and you're transformed and when you trip up, your heart will tell you, oh, you're just, not you made a mistake, you are a mistake, you are a fake and you need to quit trying to be a light in the midst of the darkness. Don't believe it, don't believe it. What do you do when you fall? You get back up and keep focusing on who God's called you to be. And if you get back up and get back up, the enemy will isolate you is what he'll do. He'll isolate you. I, I've said this as a pastor, where are the Smiths? Well, they're going through something. You know what the enemy wants you to do when you get a marriage problem? Try to handle it by yourself. And then you get defined by it. And then you wake up 10 years later and you're like, man, we're in a worse place than we were. You know what God wants you to do? Keep pursuing atmospheres that are full of the light. Keep focusing on who he's called you to be because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yes, yeah, it's a great place to clap, all of you. Here's number two, you have to grow in your faith. I'm not talking about Bible drillers and just, you know, like, you, you know, just attending church or programs. I'm talking about you have to grow in your personal relationship with Christ and how he thinks and how he sees the world and, and his power and his grace to overcome. You have to grow in your faith. And, and I learned this over the last few years. It's like, why did so many Christians just get spun out, get on the wrong focus? Start living for the minors instead of the majors. Get discouraged, get isolated, get distracted because we haven't taught you how to grow in your personal faith. 
not Pastor Jeff's faith, your faith, a faith that works when you hit your trial and you will, you will. What do I do? You're like, how do some people just overcome? Well, let me tell you what doesn't work. I'm just gonna grip my teeth and I'm just stronger and more hard-headed than everybody. That'll fail you. That will fail you at some point. You will hit a trial that you and your own personality do not have the strength to overcome. But what works? A genuine faith that's growing inside of you. And I've preached this probably 50 times. I developed last two and a half years a message on how do you grow in faith? Because I realized that I I preached it in youth settings and young people and other churches and to pastors because we're telling you that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And people are like, how do you get that? We don't even know. Well, let me tell you, first of all, it's impossible to please God without faith without believing that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Second of all, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So the battle is fought over you actually knowing what the word says, not what your feelings say. What does the word say, not what so-and-so on the internet says? I was talking to a guy the other day, he goes, man, I gotta grow in my faith. I said, well, do you read the Bible? He said, I don't like to read. Wow. Well, listen to it, do something. I think that's interesting. You're like, well, I'm just, I can't really comprehend what I read. I'm like, well, you have the ESPN app. You're like, pastor, you went from preaching to meddling this weekend. You know, it's like, whoa, what, what happened to the pastor? No, 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 you read what you love. You read what you love. And so I said, Lou, I'm just gonna send you some verses, write them all down, memorize those, and I'll send you some more. Let's just start there. But faith, you don't get it on Amazon. Everything in our life today is convenient, and there's the challenge. We're more affluent and have more access to more things, but we don't have a growing faith, which is the main thing we need. The main thing we need is not what we can get off Amazon. The main thing we need is the faith that we need in the middle of a dark and dying world. So you can grow in your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's transferable. You say, Pastor Jeff, do you ever get overwhelmed? I don't know how many times I can tell you how I have a good exterior trying to walk through, but I have internal feelings of fear and being overwhelmed. I thought back, we're celebrating our 20 year anniversary. I remember when we started Milestone. I, I think every time I'm so grateful of weekends where we see baptisms and teachers celebrated because I can think about one night where I almost quit. I mean, it's not preacher hyperbole. I remember laying there. I remember the knob on the cabinet where I was actually, you know, there's times where you think of something, but there's times when you're going, I'm really thinking about it. I get all of our finances. I mean, all the people were staying away in droves and I didn't think we were gonna make it. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to figure out something else to do. You say, Jeff, how did you? Somehow, some way, when it really, really, really gets down to the darkest moment, how do you overcome is you get down in there and start trusting something deep inside of you that probably is from the word of God that was planted a long time ago. That's what you have to do. And I don't even know how to explain it to you, but when you hit bottom, you're gonna really test what's really your foundation. And so I, I think back as we celebrate 20 years this fall, we're gonna celebrate all fall. I'm celebrating because I know my own overwhelmedness 
could have prevented everything that I'm experiencing. It, it happens in life. I, I thought about this morning, my father, when he was sick, he had, a, he had a routine surgery that went bad and then he went back in. And I thought about this morning before I preached, I thought about a time where I got a call from my mom before I had to get on the stage and preach that my dad's kidneys had failed and that he was in ICU. You're like, Jeff, how do you do that? We have to, you have to ultimately go down to what am I really trusting in? Do I really have a faith that works? I could give you example after example after example. All of us, you have to learn to grow in your faith. And the good news is it can grow in you. By the way, we go from faith to faith. The righteous live by faith. Here's the final one and I'm gonna pray for you. We lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. You know why a lot of us are overwhelmed today is because we primarily trust in our own analytics and ability to figure out our own situation. And I, I, again, I appreciate a good analyzation. My dad was an engineer, but ultimately, it's the Spirit of God in operation in your life that's the difference maker. He's the guide, he's the comfort, he's the leader, he's the one that guides you into it. And you know what Pastor John says? You have an anointing. You have an anointing to live in this dark culture that's scared, that's afraid, that's immoral. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know the truth because the Spirit of God has touched you personally. That word anointing was only for special people. They had special privileges. They had access to special security and special defense and special things all the way into the Old Testament, but when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we have access to that special power. And one of the big heresies they were following was, you need this special power, you need this special thing. It happens today. Look, we don't need a psychic, we have the guide called the Holy Spirit. We don't need some special power of some weird revelation to make us feel, we don't need that, why? We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, he lives in you. And so, th so that's what he's saying here. And he also says, that gives you power over the Antichrist. Now, I don't wanna be offensive, but let me just say this. John's the only one that uses the word Antichrist. And he never in reference in this book refers to it as some special person who is in some political power that's gonna take over the world. It's not referenced there. It's referenced as people who are not pursuing the real Jesus and are drawing other people to something other than the agenda and the person of the real Jesus. And you have the ability to deal with an anti-Christ world because you're anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying to us right there. I know that doesn't sell as many books, but that's what the Bible says. So don't get all wrapped up in some end time philosophy that draws you even away from the main thing of living in your time with the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now. I wanna pray for you, but here's my heart for you. You, you don't have to live in a place where you feel like you have to be overwhelmed and there's no answer. You don't have to have a message to your children and grandchildren that it's impossible that we can't. Look, it's all impossible in and of us, but all things are possible to him who's trusting in God. That's what John's saying to us. 
You don't have to be a prisoner to your own desires and your own feelings. You can overcome that thing in your life that's trying to kill you. You can, not in and of yourself, but you can with Jesus. I want you now to bow your heads wherever you are, whatever campus. Lord, I pray right now over every person. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus, if you need to say, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life, don't let the pride of life, here it is, have a soft heart toward God. Have a soft, humble heart toward God and say, Jesus, you lead me. Jesus, I will follow you. Submit your life to him, confess him as Lord. And if you prayed that, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Lord, I pray right now, as we enter this school year for children, for families, for homes, Lord, as we walk in to a world that can be anti you, Jesus Christ, anti Christ, we thank you, Lord, that we are your children. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can grow in our faith and trust in you. And we thank you that we have the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice, that wherever they walk into, they're a light that shines bright as a representation of you, Jesus, being inside of them, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give God a round of applause? I'm gonna ask you, just for a minute, I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor, no one dismiss. I'm gonna ask all of the teachers to stand up with me. If you're a teacher, stand up. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. Come on, teacher. Awesome. We, we are actually, we're actually honoring at our campuses as well. We're honoring, I think, somewhere around six to 700 teachers, uh, this teacher appreciation probably more as we make this available online. If you're online, you can text the number on the screen so that we can bless you. And I wanna say two things and I wanna pray for you. Number one, you, you scan that QR code and you go wherever, whatever campus you're at. We have a book for you that, that really is enforcing the fact that you don't have a job, you have a calling. And um, we gave you a book because I sure hope y'all read, okay? Come on, I mean, I'm getting scared if y'all don't. But, um, <laughs> but, it is a calling, it's more than a job, and we wanna, we wanna reinforce that calling in your life and you to be encouraged. And uh, we have a book for you, uh, we have a prayer card for you to pray over your room, and then we have a gift card to tell you how much we love you and how much we appreciate you. <clears throat> but also, there's in the form that I'm asking you to fill out, if you have a specific need at your school that you feel your church needs to know about, now we can't address every need, and I know y'all have Amazon deals and most of you have stuff, but I looked at some of them and some of y'all have like candles and couches. We can't provide those, but um, what I am saying, if there's a legitimate need, we're interested in those needs as a church and we wanna show up uh, to try to help you meet that need so that you can serve the kids that you serve better. And, and, and so just let us know about that, all right? And uh, we met with the superintendent of schools and he said that it is also an interesting time. Morale, we know that, that, that it, the narrative, we, we understand discouragement and challenge and the things you face. And, and again, you handle our most prized possession, it's a calling. And I don't want you to go into this year thinking it's impossible, being discouraged, I want you to take the message that I gave you today, the prayer card, and the prayer that we're about to give you and walk into this school year knowing that Jesus is with you, that he is with you in this, okay? So join me in prayer, Lord. We pray over all these teachers and we thank you, Lord, for the calling. We thank you 
that, that they get more time sometimes in this time of year than we do with our own children. And so, Lord, we ask for your anointing to be upon them. We ask, Lord, for your, your, your grace and, and a touch there when the, the mornings they feel discouraged or the evenings where it feels like there's more to do. And, and, and Lord, we, we ask you, Lord, to send them into this school year. Send them, Lord, as representatives and ambassadors and missionaries to this mission field of young people that an encouraging word can change a whole family and a whole destiny. And so we know when we gather as your church, there's a difference in the prayer because you told us that. Even John said that, that when we ask anything according to your will, you're hearing what we're praying. And so Lord, we thank you that we as your church, when we gather in agree, so we pray the prayer of agreement right now that Lord, you are doing something in the hearts and lives of these teachers to prepare them for this year. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.